Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. We got a lot to talk about today. I want to start out with my op-ed today about, dear Republicans, we try to ear and it doesn't work. I'll get to that in just a moment. Also, in a gun society, should the police go in sooner to protect our children rather than wait for an hour because, what, they're outgunned by a kid with a weapon of war that Republicans are willing to go to the mat to protect? We'll get into that. Also, the QAnon wing of the Republican Party causing death and destruction. How do we fight back against their conspiracies? Totally bizarre stuff coming out about this shooter. I'll tell you about that. And also, Donald Trump loved the hang Mike Pence chants. Is this like the Lincoln assassination or an attempt like that? I'll tell you my thoughts on that. And also, is it time for America to ask for George Bush and Donald Trump to pay damages for America's reputation? Seriously, Italy is asking Silvio Berlusconi to pay for damages to the reputation of Italy. Interesting precedent. But to start out, the op-ed that I wrote for HartmanReport.com today is titled, Dear Republicans, We Tried Your Way and It Doesn't Work. And I, I start out by pointing out that the 70s, which I remember well, I, you know, I was in my 20s throughout the 70s, and um, it, 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 was a, it was a time of a lot of change. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just the end of the Vietnam War or the resignation of Nixon or the death of the psychedelic hippie era and the very political and sometimes even violent SDS era, both of which I participated in. No, most consequentially, the 1970s were when today's Republican Party was birthed or conceived, actually, would be a better word. Um, our nation at that point had been humming along for 30 or 40 years with a top income tax bracket of 91% of the morbidly rich and a top corporate income tax bracket of around 50%. Business leaders ran their companies, which were growing faster than ever in the history of the United States. And they avoided participating generally in politics. You didn't hear from business leaders back then. Democrat Franklin Roosevelt and Republican Dwight Eisenhower renewed America 
uh, in the 40s, 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, through modern state-of-the-art public labs, schools, public hospitals across the nation, nearly free college, trade school and research support, healthy small and family businesses all across our land, unions protecting a third of Americans so that two-thirds of us had decent wages and benefits, living wages and benefits, an interstate highway system, rail system, and network of new airports that transformed our nation's commerce. You know, and this is the point that I'm building to here, is that in 1981, when Ronald Reagan was sworn in on January 20th, 1981, and as he put his hand on the Bible, the Iranians released the hostages that he had cut the deal with Iran to hold on to. But anyhow, in that moment when he was sworn in, we handed over to Ronald Reagan, we Americans handed our country over to him. We handed over a brand spanking new country. It was gleaming. It was glistening. It was sparkling. I mean, yeah, there were, there, there were a lot of problems, but I'm talking in terms of rebuilding this country from the Great Depression. But the seeds of today's crisis, of America's crisis, were planted 10 years earlier, back in 1971, when Lewis Powell wrote his infamous Powell Memo, which became the blueprint for the morbidly rich and big corporations to take over the collapsing Republican Party and then ultimately the entire United States. They moved on to infiltrate our universities, to seize our media, to pack our courts, to integrate themselves into large, you know, the, the evangelical religious movement. And to turn upside down our tax, our labor, and our gun laws. And that effort was consolidated and burst onto the scene in a big way in 1980 with the election of Ronald Reagan. You know, by 82, we were all just amazed by the new ideas that the Republican Party had, like radical tax cuts, pollution deregulation, destroying unions, slashing the New Deal and the Great Society programs, because Republicans said feeding, educating, or providing health care to people would, would just made them dependent. Their sales pitch worked. We are now 42 years into the Reagan revolution, and it's time to simply say out loud that it hasn't worked. Republicans told us that if we just cut the top tax rate on the morbidly rich from the 74% it was, it was at at 1980 down to 27%, it would trickle down benefits to everybody else because they said it would unleash the job creators on our economy. Instead, we've seen $50 trillion since 1981 transferred from the bottom 90% of us to the top 1%, where it sits today. The middle class has gone from being over 60% of us to fewer than half of us. Republicans told us that if we just deregulated guns and let anybody buy and carry as many as they wanted, whenever they wanted, wherever they wanted, it would clean up our crime problem and put the fear of God into our politicians. Remember the bumper sticker from the 80s? If you're old enough, an armed society is, polite, is a polite society. They were all over the place, those bumper stickers. The NRA was relentlessly promoting the lie that the Second Amendment was put into place so that average Americans could overthrow a tyrannical government should that ever happen. It's a complete lie. But five Republicans on the U.S. Supreme Court got into the act by twisting the law and lying about history to make guns more widely available. And instead of a polite society or politicians who listened to us, we ended up with school shootings and a daily rate of gun carnage unmatched anywhere else in the developed world. 
Republicans told us that if we just ended sex education in our schools and outlawed abortion, we'd return to the good old days when they said every child was wanted and every marriage was happy. Instead of helping young Americans, though, we've ended up with epidemics of sexually transmitted diseases, unwanted pregnancies, and now that abortion is illegal in state after state, a return to deadly back alley abortions. Republicans told us that if we just killed off civics and history classes in our schools, we'd liberate our young people to focus instead on science and math. Instead, we've raised two generations of Americans who can't even name the three branches of government, much less understand the meaning of the Constitution's reference to the general welfare. Republicans told us if we cut state and federal aid to higher education, which in 1980 paid about 80% of all tuition, so that students, they said, we need to cut that. Cut that down to only 20% federal support and state support for, for colleges. So that students have skin in the game. And then they'll take their studies seriously, which will produce a generation of engineers and scientists to prepare us for the 21st century. Right. Instead of happy students, we did cut that 80% government support down to 20%. Now 80% of tuition is paid for by individual students. And our nation is groaning under a $2 trillion student debt, preventing young people from buying homes, starting businesses, or even beginning families. Meanwhile, the banksters are making literally a billion dollars a week in profit on this, or billions of dollars a week in profits on these loans that you can't even renegotiate by law. Republicans told us if we just stopped enforcing the anti-monopoly and antitrust laws that have protected small businesses for nearly 100 years, there'd be an explosion of innovation and opportunity. Instead, what we get is the competition is dead, giant monopolies, price gouging, profiteering, and you can't find small or family-owned businesses anymore, anywhere. They used to be all over our downtowns, our malls, our suburbs. No, they're all gone now. Republicans told us that if we just let a handful of individual companies and billionaires buy most of our media, a thousand flowers would grow, and we'd have the most diverse media man's landscape in the world. Now a small group of often right-wing companies own our major media and internet companies, radio and TV stations, as well as local newspapers across the country, and progressive voices, as you can imagine, have been generally marginalized. Republicans told us we should turn all our health care decisions take them away from our doctors and hand them off to bureaucratic insurance company middlemen who would decide which of our doctors' suggestions they'd approve and which they'd reject. They said this would lower costs and increase choice. In all of the developed world, all 34 OECD countries on four continents, there are only 500,000 medical bankruptcies every year, and every single one of them is right here in the United States. Republicans told us if we just got rid of our unions, then the bosses and the companies who employ us would give us better pay, more benefits, real job security. As everybody can see, they lied, and as we're seeing with Starbucks and Amazon, they're doubling down on it. Republicans told us that if we just went with the trade agreement that the Bush and Reagan administrations had negotiated, NAFTA, and then signed off on the World Trade Organization, we'd see an explosion of jobs. Well, we saw an explosion, all right. 60,000 factories were blown up and leveled across the United States as all those jobs went off to China, over 10 million jobs. Republicans told us global warming was a hoax. In fact, they're still telling us that. So we shouldn't do anything to interfere with the profits of the fossil fuel industry, they said. 
The hoax, it turns out, was their lie. And now global warming is literally killing millions of people around the world every single day, including here in the United States. And of course, the biggest lie of all the Republicans told us, money is free speech. Five Republicans on the Supreme Court told us that and threw out over a thousand anti-corruption and anti-bribery laws at both the state and federal level. Bottom line, as a nation, voluntarily or involuntarily, we have now had the full Republican experience. We now know what it is, and we're no longer listening to the Republican politicians who continue to try to shovel this BS at us. We don't want Republicans sermonizing about the deficits they caused or the welfare that they damaged and exploited or even whatever the hell it is that they're calling faith these days, be it the death penalty, forcing raped women to give birth at the barrel of a gun or burning books. Republicans, were over it. A new America is being birthed from the ashes of the Reagan revolution and you can't stop it very much longer. In a gun society, shouldn't the, you know, why did the police wait almost an hour to go into that school? We'll talk about that in just a second. Jessica in Chicago watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Jessica, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. When my girls were in grade school, and I thought it was 90s, it was more like 2000s, but I had a talk with them back then, and I told them what to do to survive a school shooting. I said, if you can't hide, play dead. If you can't run, escape and hide as well as you can, seek shelter. And that was way back when. And I remember my sister had called me and said, oh, they're going to put the guns back on the streets again because the time had worn off on the semi-automatic. And so I called. Yeah, it was 2006 the that the assault weapons ban expired. Thank you for the date. I could not remember. Yeah, it, um, it was put into place in 96 by uh, Clinton, and it, it had a 10-year expiration on it. And so Bush just killed any effort to renew it in 2006. Yeah. And so I called all the moms in their classes, Republicans and Democrats, every single one of them. They helped me. They called the Senate. They called the White House. We're like, you can't do that. Is this, you mean the year that the the assault weapon ban expired because of that? Yes. Wow. Good on you, Jessica. Well, every, just like O'Rourke, you can see what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't take a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Exactly. But I wanted to say, I want to do some positive history because I found this to be incredible. Nixon appointed a Supreme Court Justice, Lauren Berger. In 1991, he spoke out against the Second Amendment. Yep. He said, well, if you regulate militia, then you have to regulate the owners of guns. He said, this is a big fraud among the American public. Yep. Yeah. The, the history is crazy. That was the appointed Supreme Court judge of Nixon. A Republican. And yeah. He was against this. So these Republicans know it's not right. Oh, yeah. They're in it for the money. They're in it for the power. Yeah. It was the late 70s that the NRA got taken over by the weapons industry. And, and frankly, I think it probably, and I haven't, um, I, I'd have to go back and look at my own book. It's been three years since I wrote the book on guns. 
Um, but my recollection is that it was the 1978 Supreme Court decision, First National Bank of Boston versus Bilotti. Bilotti was the uh, attorney general for the state of uh, Massachusetts. And he was suing the bank for funding politicians about issues that had nothing to do with banking. And the Supreme Court in that decision said corporations, which would include nonprofits like the NRA, can pour unlimited amounts of money into politicians' campaigns because it's free speech. And I oh, think that was, that was the moment that the NRA turned, was 1978. And 1980, the election of 1980, was when Ronald Reagan, who had overseen the passage of the Morrill Act in, in California, which was a very restrictive, you know, it ended open carry in California. He had overseen numerous gun control laws as governor of California. That was when he changed. I have a quick question. Um, can Biden do an executive ruling no weapons of war? No, he can't. It's going to take Congress. Jessica, thanks for the call. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. So the misinformation, the lies. Uh, you know, the media likes to use this word, misinformation. The lies are spreading about the shooter. Yesterday, I pointed this out to Sean, in fact, after we got off the air, uh, I was going through my Twitter feed. And, you know, there was the usual hateful stuff and, and you know, the, 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 the obvious trolls and bots that I was blocking. And there was one person who tweeted at me with a picture that sort of looked like the shooter, you know, a Hispanic guy in his 18 years old, wearing a dress and said, you know, something like, this is what caused this. And I said to Sean, oh my God, this is, you know, they're, they're going there, right? And I didn't know. 
if it was actually him or not. I figured it probably wasn't. I blocked that person. I then saw it several more times on Twitter later in the day. Well, now it comes out over on, uh, on 4chan. Somebody posted a picture of a transgender girl named Sam. No relation to the shooter, not even the same city, not even the same state, just a Hispanic-looking trans person, a trans woman, and said that that was the shooter. And Paul Gosar, the Republican congressman from Texas, one of the weirdest, most pathetic, and most bizarre people, excuse me, from Arizona, uh, in, in the United States House of Representatives, retweeted it. And now it's gone completely viral. It's a lie. But you've got uh, politicians out there. This uh, one uh, Republican candidate in Maine came out yesterday and, and they said to the, the Portland, Maine Press Herald, their, their big newspaper, that uh, liberal teachers had brainwashed this guy into thinking he was a transgender girl and that's why he was shooting people. This is the kind of stuff, because I can't use the word I want to use on the air, that, that gets people killed, that fires up hate, that rationalizes violence against marginalized people like the trans community. This is so wrong and so sick. I hope when you see this kind of stuff on social media, and I'm telling you, it's still out there. I saw it twice this morning. I hope that when you see it, you will, A, help set the record straight, and B, call out the sickos who are promoting this. So, that said, let's pick up your phone calls here. Ben in Kansas City, Kansas. Hey, Ben, what's on your mind today? Thanks for listening to SiriusXM. Yeah, Tom, thanks for taking my call. My thoughts are that uh, the gun laws that the Republicans do away with and probably will continue to do away with, is all to promote prayer in school. I hear this a lot from where I'm at. We need school prayer. We need school prayer. Well, also, you, you think, Ben, that kids, kids and teachers are going to start praying so that they can pray that a shooter doesn't show up? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, something like that. Absolutely. I think that's Absolutely. a stretch. Okay, well, also Roe versus Wade, the reason they're doing that, in my opinion, is because they know that if they can get Roe versus Wade passed without the House and without the Senate and with the majority of the country against it, then they are inches away from uniting church and state. If they can pull that off, they will be able to unite church and state, and then they'll be able to accomplish anything that they want. Yeah, well, they're in the process of doing that for, for you know, the better part of 50 years. Um, uh, right. Roe v. Wade, they went after Roe v. Wade because they knew it was never going to be overturned. And so it was a completely safe thing that they could whine and complain about and march and hold pictures up and stuff like that. And knowing that, you know, no result was going to happen and they'd never be held accountable for, for going back to back alley abortions and stuff. And then, you know, Trump surprised everybody. He, he did what no Republican president had been willing to do before, was actually put crackpots on the court who would overturn Roe v. Wade. And sure enough, here it comes. 
And I, I, you know, I keep saying I think this is going to be one of the things that takes down the Republican Party. I really think that we are nearing the end of the Republican era, and they are they are grasping at straws. Beto O'Rourke calling these fools out and speaking truth to power after for like 20 minutes of that news conference, none of those Republicans on that panel was even willing to mention the word guns or assault weapons. And Beto came out and said, this is on you. And they said, oh, yeah, calling him you know, names and all kinds of obscenities. This, this tells me that their time is over. Ben, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Charlie in Fort Collins listening on 36M. Hey, Charlie, what's up? Hey, Tom, thanks for taking my call. I, I think it's time the Dems call off the, the phony Governor Abbott, Cruz, Republican Congress members and Senate members. And when I say that, it's simply this way. They're all, we're tired of their fake, worthless prayers. Yeah. And that's all, we re- that's all we really need to say. We are tired of their fake, worthless prayers. Yep. Yep. And if everyone says that, we can really push this hard. Yeah. You know, I caught a little bit of uh, Morning Joe, MSNBC. Which is always fascinating because, you know, the guy's a Republican or used to be a Republican. And uh, he is just ripping them a new one. I mean, you know, he's going after these people. And, and, you know, yesterday his wife, Mika, could barely talk. She was crying. I mean, this is this is now, you know, finally, (laughs) after what, three decades of, of Republicans gutting gun regulations going all the way back to the 1980s, four decades, I guess. It's finally starting to sink into the mainstream media that America is over it. We're sick of it. We are tired of it. As I said yesterday, I think this might be the 1996 Tasmanian, the Port Arthur massacre in Port Arthur, Tasmania in Australia that led Australia to institute comprehensive gun control that then led to an end of mass shootings or pretty much an end. There have been one or two since then, but that's it. An end of mass shootings a significant decrease in gun homicides and, a, and, a, and an even more significant decrease in gun suicides. And, uh, you know, I, hopefully we'll see that here in the United States. Charlie, thank you. Bert in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hey, Bert, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's up? Uh, hey, Tom. Uh, I, Oklahoma City is a, and Oklahoma is a, we're highly right winged uh, in the legislature here, and uh, we have a governor that was elected. I kind of call him King King, uh, Kevin, because his name's Kevin Stitt. And uh, when when he first campaigned and got into governorship, uh, his advertisements for uh, getting in were that he advertised it and put out that his two sons were named Remington and Colt. Honest to God? That's how how brash the Republican Party is here in Oklahoma. Are those actually the names of his kids, or was he making a joke or nicknames? They said they advertised it as that. Wow. I mean, part of his campaign advertisement was that, but they didn't run him but several times. I keep a close eye on the politics around here, and that's that's the way it is here. That's nuts. Well, Bert. Yes, it is. You know, but I, I, I would I would love to be able to verify that, but nobody can do it. I talked to the uh, cam and kind of campaign for the uh, leading Democrat, uh, Connie Johnson, that's running for the 
or to get elected here for the governorship and uh, told her that and and let them know that uh, don't mess with the kids, but uh, that's uh, not yeah, and if, good. And if he was running those ads, go back and find those ads and start running them again, because I, I, I think the winds are changing, and I think a lot of these you know, bright red states are going to see a lot of change, too. Bert, I, I, I wish you the very best living there in Oklahoma. Continue, please. Hey, being well, a, the being the a Second Amendment was put in for one reason only, and it was for the slavery. Yeah, well, it was it was so the southern states states could retain their militias. Absolutely. Yeah. And and uh, <laughs> yeah, Bert, thanks a lot for the call. Rob in Mount Iron, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's up? Hi, Tom. It's where I got to be able to take and point out there was a question that you asked the other day. It's where are Republicans mentally ill? And the whole thing is, is where I've got to be able to take and point it out to you. It's where most Republicans vote pro-life. And it's where they vote anti-abortion. And at the same time, they are pro-gun. And yeah. the whole thing is, is with guns, it's where they are voting pro Death. Yeah, you now, can't call yourself pro-life. Somebody, if, go ahead. Now, how, how can somebody prove that they are pro-life and pro-death at the same time without voting to be a mentally ill? Exactly. They they claim to be pro-life, but they're against giving health care to, to to children. They claim to be pro-life, but they're against giving public education to children. They claim to be pro-life, but they're against protecting children from guns and mass shooters. They claim to be pro-life, but they're in favor of the death penalty. Uh, you know, what am I missing here? It seems to me like are they, they are mentally are they mentally ill? Yeah, well, or or just willing to tolerate massive amounts of cognitive dissonance, uh, you know, and and be and be hypocrites in ways that. The belonging in the history books. I mean, you know, this is historic hypocrisy. Never seen anything like it. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. They claim to be pro-life and they voted against giving, ba- you know, getting baby formula. Is it, I'm out of words. Karen in Grays Lake, Illinois. Hey, Karen, what's on your mind? I was just wondering, uh, I have a couple questions. Well, I came up with the theme song for the NRA. Appropriately, I used to sing it in catechism and uh, grade school and communion and uh, church. Uh It goes a little bit like this. Please forgive me. If I had a gun, I'd shoot it in the morning. I'd shoot it in the evening, all over this land. I'd shoot out freedom. Yeah. I'd shoot out warning. I'd shoot out love between my brothers and my sisters all over this land. Wow. I'm sorry, excuse me. No, that was good. Um, that was good. You can sing better than I can, Karen. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if they need a theme song. appropriate, you know? Yeah. It, and, um, it really is. Another thing, if a teacher can't pass the mustard at a gun range, does she get her diploma taken away? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Well, actually, what it does is it points out the absurdity of this. We don't want our teachers being armed guards, and an armed guard yeah. can't stop somebody and who's then, equipped with an AR-40, AR-50. That's right. Then, then you've got all the teachers who are pro-gun, and I remember... Uh, 
teachers when I was in grade school that would cry every day. <laughs> I could mm. not imagine them having a gun. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just it, the whole argument is absurd. Karen, thank you for the call. Barbara in Seattle. Hey, Barbara, what's on your mind today? Thanks for watching Free yeah, Speech. Thanks for being there. Thanks sure. for being there. Um, I, I, too, have some messaging for Democrats. Mm -hmm. um, it's an answer to the question, what's wrong with trickle-down economics? And the simple answer is no one can live on a trickle. Yeah. You know, it's built right into the metaphor. You know, the truth of it. The big guys, they get all the money, and the rest of us get a trickle. Yeah. But I you can't, you know, you can't um, buy food on a trickle or good health care or education for your kids or pay the rent. None of those things. So I can see it's a great bumper sticker. You know, no one can live on a trickle. Or you can have a chant. You know, the leader says, um, uh, what's wrong with trickle-down economics? And the audience shouts out, no one can live on a trickle. Um, you, you, you realize, Barbara, that you and I are dating ourselves by talking about this because modern-day politicians have abandoned that. They've all realized that it's BS. It's probably been 20 years since a, a Republican promoted trickle-down economics, but but it was certainly. You, you mentioned it this yeah, morning. I did. that I did. image right. is so that image yeah. is strong. Yeah. You think, oh, that's right. You gotta have the big guys have the money because yeah. otherwise we won't get any. It's a strong metaphor. I think it's embedded. I agree. I like it. I, I, I and you're. I think you're brilliant. Uh, I was always fond of the of the old pun joke that you know if, if you if you if we got trickle down t uh, trickle down economics will only produce a nation of peons, and yeah. uh, you know which <laughs> double the double yeah. entendre there, um, but yeah I'm I'm with you Barbara thank you thank you that's a, a great uh, rebuttal or repost or uh, whatever the word is repost R I P O S T E I'm not sure how to pronounce the word it's one of those words I've read all my life and I've never never heard anybody say it. Anyhow, we'll be back with your calls in just a moment. Stick around. It's the Tom Hartman Program, the place where despair is not an option. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. 
Bruce in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Hey, Bruce, what's on your mind today? Hi. I'd like to know. I'd like. I'd like it if you'd think of investing in a hydrogen gas generator and make graphitic carbon nitride from urea. Is that something that you could do? Um, I don't know if I could do it, but what I can tell you, Bruce is that several of the nations, the European nations that are trying to get off natural gas from Russia, um, I believe this was, well, I, I shouldn't list the countries uh, when I'm not certain, but there, there was a great article in the Financial Times four or five days ago that listed three or four countries in, in uh, Northern Europe uh, that are looking at building a huge offshore wind platform, uh, basically a, an artificial island offshore the problem is that it's so far from land because the nearby land is now already filled with windmills. It's so far, or shipping routes. It's so far from land that there would be huge losses in the power cables bringing it to land. Plus, the power cables would be vulnerable to, to you know, storms and all kinds of stuff. And so, what they're thinking of doing is generating that electricity from those windmills way out in the ocean, converting it to hydrogen through a simple electrolysis. You just run electricity through, through ocean water and it breaks the water into hydrogen and oxygen. You capture the hydrogen, you know, one collects on the anode, one collects on the cathode, the positive and negative, uh, or I can see the other way around actually, but um, uh, no, it isn't. Anyway, <laughs> the positive and negative poles. And then, and then putting that hydrogen gas in the equivalent of liquid, liquefied natural gas containers and bringing it by ship to the coast and using that and maybe even diluting it with other gases so it has about the same level of volatility as natural gas. I mean, there's, there's some amazing stuff being done with this. So uh, it's, not, it's not, you know, a, a nutty thing. David in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing? Uh, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, first time, long time. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so I'm a Christian, evangelical even, and I, I am quite progressive. And I'm really trying to uh, affect and help my community, you know, come along and uh, uh, make some progress. Good, they need you. And I feel like I have some pastors who will listen to me. Do you have a book or any guidance on how I can get them moving on the whole gun debate and, and just try? Because I believe, I don't think we're going to get very far until at least a few pastors start moving the needle on on some of this this crazy right-wing stuff well i mean the closest I, I, frankly i i i don't know of any books on this that tie guns to religion uh, but, but that said i haven't looked um what i do know yeah. I, you know i've read the bible uh, four times cover <laughs> to cover and i can tell you you know I, I do remember for example if we're talking about weaponry that in the garden of gethsemane uh, you know jesus is there with his disciples and and uh, this Roman centurion comes up and Peter cuts his ear off with a sword. Right, and Jesus right, right, says, put away your sword. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, uh, it, that's the only reference that I recall in the New Testament to weapons. And so what weapons. about your book? You've got a book about history of guns, right? Do you think that's yeah. something that could uh, convince some people? Oh, I think it probably would. It doesn't mention religion specifically, but the book is called The Hidden yeah, History yeah, of Guns in the Second that. Amendment. I'm just looking for anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that, that, that book is, is soup to nuts, the whole history from the beginning of the country to today and, and how it all happened. So I, I think, I, yeah, I, I would suggest that. Um, there's there's other good books on guns out there, too. I'm, you know, not, not, 
not to just promote right, my right. own. But. Do, you propose, uh, do you propose any solutions in your book about that? Oh, yeah. The last five chapters, uh, every chapter okay. is a different solution. And they're very okay. straightforward all, things that are all practical yeah. things we could do tomorrow. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Good talking to you, David, and good luck. Keep it up. We need, we need good evangelicals. I, I, I used to attend an evangelical church, the North, North Lansing Church of God, uh, long ago and far away. I'm very familiar with, with uh, well, in any case, Lowell in, in Mount Lake, Terrence, Washington. Hey, Lowell, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, just curious about when the Second Amendment was actually made. 1791. So it was debated actually in 1788 in the ratifying conventions of the various states because it had already been proposed, but it wasn't put into law until 1791. Okay, so on the originalist theory that the Republicans seem to want to run on, then that would make the Second Amendment apply only the only gun you get is a flintlock. Yeah, bullets hadn't even been invented until the 1930s. I pointed that out to somebody on Twitter yesterday, and he said, no, those projectiles that they fired were so-called bullets, which is just a, you know, a, a, an idiotic way of trying to deflect from the conversation. But, you know, a modern bullet that you could, so, so a gun could shoot rapidly, those weren't invented until the 1830s. So, uh, you know, I think if you want to be an originalist, I think you're absolutely right, Lowell. Um, you can have your guns, you just can't have your bullets. Uh, Lowell, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the call. We'll continue our conversations. Turns out Donald Trump apparently thought hanging Mike Pence was a good idea. I, I, did, did he try to take us back to the Lincoln assassination? I'll tell you about that, that analogy on the other side of the break. And is it time to, for America to ask Bush and Trump to pay damages for our reputation? So the word is breaking or the news is breaking that during the time that the Capitol was under attack and Donald Trump tweeted out, quote, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. He tweeted that at 2.24 p.m., which was 10 minutes after the rioters had broken into the Capitol. They then, he, his tweet went viral among all the people in the Capitol. They, you know, they were looking at their smartphones going, holy cow. They got his tweet and they started chanting, hang Mike Pence. They'd already built a gallows out on the lawn of the, of the Capitol building. And I'm still wondering, who the hell built that gallows? Why don't we know? Who brought, I mean, it was not a small thing. Somebody brought a pile of wood and bolts and screws and tools and a, and, a, and a rope and knew how to write who knew how to make a hangman's noose who did that i am hopeful we will find this out next month when we hear the the and see the hearings from the from the house select committee but testimony now from three different people according to sources inside or around the january 6th committee who are all anonymous at this moment, but this is solid reporting. It's by Betsy Woodruff and Sean, uh, excuse me, Swan and, and uh, Kyle Cheney over at Politico. The headline, in fact, Trump expressed support for hanging Pence during Capitol, six, uh, during Capitol riot. You know, when Lincoln was assassinated, it produced a change in our government. We recovered from it, in a couple of years. But Lincoln, you know, in, in the election of 1864, 
Lincoln wanted to heal the country, wanted to bring the country back together. His first vice president was a, another Republican, somebody who was opposed to slavery. I'm, forgive me for not remembering his name. Um, his second vice president was Andrew Johnson. And he picked Andrew Johnson to be his second vice president because Andrew Johnson owned slaves. In fact, one of them was a, a young 13-year-old uh, that he had bought and then abused fairly egregiously and was a southerner. I believe he was from Tennessee. I might be wrong. I'd have to go back and look. But uh, so the vice president was a Democrat and a slaveholder when Lincoln was assassinated, which is exactly what John Wilkes Booth knew was going to happen. And this was their hope that they would reverse the, the victory of the Union. Well, the, at that point, yeah, they reverse the victory of the Union and, and uh, you know, restore the Confederacy. Six, six semper tyrannis, right? Death to tyrants. It was John Wilkes Booth's cry as he assassinated Lincoln. And it did, for several years, put the United States government, the federal government, back into the hands, or at least the executive branch of it, back into the hands of a pro-slavery right-winger. And in fact, the way Congress responded to that, because there was an open seat on the Supreme Court at that moment, Congress responded to that by reducing the size of the Supreme Court. They passed a law that cut the size of the Supreme Court. As I recall, it was by two seats. I might be wrong, but they reduced the size of the Supreme Court. And then after, after uh, uh, Johnson was out of office and had been impeached, uh, not convicted, but after his uh, term, term in office, just like Trump, after his term in office expired, then uh, Ulysses Grant became president, a Republican, and he said, okay, that's it. Uh, let's re-expand you know, re the Supreme Court. They expanded it back up to nine, which is where it's been ever since, because there were nine circuits. There are now 13 circuits. We should have 13 members of the Supreme Court, but in any case. So how is Trump wanting to assassinate Mike Pence, who was like the last person holding, trying to hold the republic together from being torn apart by Trump and, and his friend Putin? How is this different? I mean, other than the fact that Trump wasn't able to do it, he tried. He tried really hard. Like I said, he tweeted. At, Ten minutes after they breached the Capitol, he gave them their orders. He tweeted, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. It's astonishing, isn't it? Another story I wanted to share with you that I think is absolutely amazing. Now, this is uh, breaking news over at Reuters and on the Financial Times. Uh, the United Kingdom. Keep in mind, you know, it's run by a conservative, Boris Johnson. He's like, you know, a Republican. Britain announced a 25% windfall. This is from Reuters. Britain announced a 25% windfall tax on oil and gas producer profits on Thursday alongside a 15 billion pound package, it's $18.9 billion, of supports for households struggling to meet soaring energy bills. The move, which will give each UK household a 400 pound discount on their energy bill and more for lowest income households, 400 pounds, about 
marks a change of heart for Prime Minister Boris Johnson's government, which had previously resisted windfall taxes, calling them a deterrent to investment. Hey, if conservative Boris Johnson can say, we're going, you know, right now here in the United States, our fossil fuel companies, from little companies like Joe Manchin's to big companies like Chevron and Exxon, are, are showing, the, 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 some, in some cases, the largest profits they have ever shown in history. Billions of dollars a month. And, if Bo and Boris Johnson's looking at the same thing with BP, you know, with, the, with the, the fossil fuel companies there in England or in the United Kingdom. If they can put a windfall profits tax on it and say, and you know what we're going to do with the money from this tax? We're going we're gonna to cycle it back down to homeowners. We should be able to do the same thing here. And to drivers. Here is an example for you, President Biden. Take a windfall profits tax on the oil industry and give that money to, to Americans to pay for gas. Meanwhile, over in Italy, there is a major lawsuit that actually is, is in court. It's going to be decided sometime in the next, next couple months. They're expecting a verdict this fall. The trial is still ongoing, saying that Silvio Berlusconi, the Donald Trump of Italy, complete with bunga bunga parties. He was accused of sexual assault. He was a grifter. He was a billionaire. Remember the old saying, behind every fortune, there's a great crime. <laughs> Anyhow, the lawsuit, they are, they are suing Berlusconi personally for damages for harming the, Italy, the country of Italy's reputation on the international stage, making a fool of Italy. They're trying to get 10 million pounds out of him. The amount, I mean, you know, Berlusconi can write a check for 10 million pounds and not even, or 10 million dollars, excuse me, uh, 10 million dollars and not even, 11.24 million dollars and not even know it. The point is to make the point. I think this is brilliant. We should be doing the same for George W. Bush, who lied us into the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Afghanistan, of course, the, you know, Mullah Omar, the Taliban, had offered to arrest Osama bin Laden for us. We said, no, we'd rather have a war. And then Iraq did nothing to provoke a war. They even let the inspectors go everywhere in the country, right, even into the presidential palace. But George W. Bush wanted his war, so he lied us into two wars. He should be apologizing to the world, and we should be suing him, demanding an apology. And then, of course, Donald Trump turning our intelligence agencies over to, to Vladimir Putin, shutting down the Office of Cybersecurity Czar in the White House, shutting down the Homeland Security Department's office, or excuse me, firing the head of it, uh, Office of Cybersecurity, so that in the last two years of the Trump administration, we didn't discover this until Biden came into office. In fact, it was discovered by a private company, by FireEye, remember this? The solar winds thing? We discovered that during the last two years of the Trump administration, the Russians had been inside our government computers. They were inside the Commerce Department. They were inside the Treasury Department. We know for sure the CIA is refusing to say, the Pentagon is refusing to say, the uh, Department of State is refusing to say, but Donald Trump just opened the door to the Russians. Here, Mr. Putin, come on in. I still want to build a hotel in Moscow. 
And by the way, you know, a bunch of your oligarchs are, uh, you know, own a whole bunch of Trump properties and I want to keep them happy. It's amazing. It's amazing. Is it time? What do you think? Is it time for America to ask Bush and Trump to pay for their damage to our reputation? It's not like either of them can't afford it. It's the Tom Hartman program. Taking back the mainstream media, three hours a day, five days a week, right here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's the place where we dare to ask, is Walmart a person? And dare to say no. The Supreme Court is long on that one. And welcome to Tom Hartman University Book Club. Today we're reading from the book Screwed. The Undeclared War Against the Middle Class and What We Can Do About It, a book I wrote in 2006, but is frankly more relevant today than it was back then. Reading from page 11. There's a battle waging today in America that will decide the future of the middle class. On the one side are those like Jefferson who believe that if free people can govern themselves and have the right to organize their government to create a strong middle class, which will in turn keep the government democratic. Small d. On the other side are those like Thomas Hobbes, who believe that only a small elite can and should govern, and that the people should be willing to pay the price of poverty in exchange for security. Those who don't want democracy understand that a middle class will always work to create democracy, which is why they are so opposed to middle class creating government policies like free public education, limits to the concentration of uh, ownership in the media, and social safety nets like universal health care and social security. They understand that such policies have and always will bring about a strong and vibrant middle class, which will in turn both demand and create a more democratic society against small d. Who are these people who want to undermine the middle class? They often call themselves conservatives, but those people are not true conservatives. They don't want to conserve or protect the America the founders gave us. I call them cons because they're conning America. My dad was a staunch Republican all his life, but he didn't believe that a small elite should rule America. He was glad the government provided safety nets like Social Security and Medicare and made unionization possible. My dad and most of the other real conservatives I've known believed in the middle class and believed in democracy. The battle we face in America today is not between liberal and conservative, nor is it between big D Democrat and Republican. The battle we face today is between those who want to protect our democratic heritage, small d, and the cons who want to create an America that benefits only a small elite organized around corporate power and inherited wealth. There are two types of cons who have worked together to screw the middle class. I call them the predator cons and the true believer cons. Predator cons are simply greedy. They use politics and or philosophy as a cover for their theft of our common resources and as a rationalization for their growing wealth in the face of growing societal poverty and inequality. They're not conservatives in any true sense. They are not interested in conserving American values or even in keeping American wealth in America. They're the ones who ship jobs overseas, lobby for tax breaks from Congress, fight against the inheritance tax, and reincorporate their companies offshore to avoid paying U.S. corporate taxes. 
The Predator Con's rationalization for their obscene pileup of wealth is that they're simply playing the game by the existing rules. And that's true to a large extent, except that they're also the ones who bought and paid for the politicians who set up the rules for them. They've conned America into believing that they care about the American economy when all they care about is making money for themselves. A great example of a predatory con is NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. These agreements lower wages for American workers. They do not create well-paying jobs in America. They create record trade deficits. Cons don't even try to argue that free trade agreements are good for America anymore. Arguments like these, such as the Central American Free Trade Agreement, CAFTA, are passed now by a single vote in the Senate in 2005, only because corporate America needs them to reap tremendous profits from the low wages they extract in non-unionized, non-democratic, and socially disorganized countries. Predator cons succeed in passing these agreements by threatening to withhold campaign funds from anyone who dares to oppose them. It's an old game that the robber barons of the 19th century knew well how to play. The second type of con is perhaps even more dangerous than the predators. They're the true believers. Just as true believers in communism brought about the death of tens of millions in Russia from the time of the Bolshevik Revolution until the fall of the Berlin Wall, so too the true believers in laissez-faire capitalism believe that if only government would go away, everything would be just fine. Employers would become benevolent, employees would become enthusiastic, and bureaucratic inefficiencies would just vanish. These so-called free marketers aren't bothered by the consolidation of companies or the loss of competition that happens when markets are unregulated. Like Thomas Hobbes, the true believers assume that society will run best when run by the small elite that ended up on the top. They believe in corporatocracy, the view that an economic aristocracy benefits the working class because wealth will trickle down from above to below. Ronald Reagan was a true believer. He didn't understand economics, and the simple notions of self-sufficiency and a pioneering spirit appealed to him. He asked, in essence, why would somebody want to regulate a business? Wouldn't it eventually always do what is best without regulation? What Reagan and his followers failed to understand was that business will not always do what's best for society. In fact, the fundamental goal of business, to maximize assets and profits while externalizing costs and liabilities, is often destructive to the public good. This becomes particularly obvious when business owners do not live or otherwise participate in the same society and culture as their customers. A small business owner can't run sewage out his door or pay his workers below a living wage because he has to face his next-door neighbor and his next-door neighbor's kid who may want to work in his shop. Same is not true, however, for multinational corporations. Executives of large corporations don't live in the same society as the people who work for them or who, who live next door to their factories. As a result, the legacy of unregulated big business and the concentration of wealth in the hands of the few, that legacy is pollution, worker exploitation, cuts to workers' safety, and the bestowing of profits to the company's elite while cutting benefits to the company's rank and file. This is uh, the book Screwed. George in Cripple Creek, Virginia. Hey, George, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how you doing today? Yeah, I just uh, wanted to ask you about President Biden when he said the Second Amendment prohibits private individuals from owning cannons. Well, he's wrong on that. Okay. You know, you're a pretty good historian. You have letters of mark and reprisal are, right? I, I do. Why? Well, under you know, President Adams during the uh, 17... 97-98 quasi-war against France and War of 1812, President Madison, the federal government issued licenses to uh, 
private merchant ship owners to equip their ships with privately owned cannons to attack French and British shipping. And up to the present day, I used to participate in Revolutionary War and Civil War reenactments. There are plenty of privately owned cannons participating in those. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah I'm with your gun club. He's got to get his facts straight. You know, it's historically incorrect and up to the present day incorrect. I, I get it. And, and you know, the story is, is told that, you know, the, the Second Amendment, as interpreted by the current Supreme Court, means that you can have a gun, but you can't have a shoulder-fired stinger, you know, missile. Right. Or you can't mm -hmm. have a, a cannon. Or you can't even have a fully automatic weapon. The fact of the matter is you can have all of those things with the proper licenses. Um, yes, it's exactly. Just, it's I don't just, want one, but yeah, you have to go through a stringent background check and pay a fee and all that kind of that's, stuff. That's for the fully automatic weapon. If you wanted to get right. a, a shoulder-fired missile, uh, you know, air ground-to-air missile or something, you'd, you would have to be part of the military. I mean, there's very, it, it is possible to get them. You have to, however, have very specific job descriptions, and, and they're very, under very controlled circumstances. And, and, and frankly, I think that that's the direction we should move with guns in the United States. Um, and, and particularly with ammunition, is is we should be taxing ammunition heavily, and we should be and we should be you know more more tightly, frankly, regulating guns. George, good point. Thank you for calling and making it. Maxwell in Pikesville, Maryland. You have the last thirty seconds of the show, Maxwell. I'll make it thirty seconds, Tom. Uh, cleaning up the Supreme Court is a strategy to restore democracy. I no, no question about that. But until we control the Congress, it, it, specifically it the Senate, yeah. Specifically, the Senate and the, and the House of Representatives, because the only way to reinstate the rights and the, and the uh, doctrines that have been uh, dismantled is to do that. I'm with even, you. Even to, even I'm with you. Level, even to the level of, of charters. Yep. Maxwell, I'm sorry, I got to go, but uh, thank you so much. And you are absolutely right. So make sure that you're registered to vote. Make sure everybody you know is registered to vote. There's big elections coming up this fall. Big elections. So anyhow, th thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, don't forget, democracy does not, it's not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. It requires active participation. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.